right, welcome in. It's another edition of the Morning After Podcast. we got two games to break down. Utah with an impressive, emphatic, no doubt about it, beatdown at Oregon State. And then BYU looked like they were on their way to a victory and then not losing at South Florida and really, really putting that coaching staff in a bad spot. So, uh, Hans, I'm going to let you choose. Which one do we talk about first? Could there be two more contrasting games and no. feelings and emotions? <laughs> no. This is as far apart as we've seen Utah and BYU in terms of the emotional state of their fans. Uh, maybe since, I don't know, Lloyd 2004, do you think? Uh, yes. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. But you know what? Let's start where I think most people are going to tune in and, and listen to the morning after podcast. And let's start with Utah, Oregon State. Oh, man, I thought you were going to say BYU. I was like, whoa, 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 what are we doing here? So Utah just blew that game open right out of the gate. Touchdown drive, 91-yard score after that. It's 14-0. Oregon State never had any chance whatsoever. Hands, you hosted the pre and post. And those are the fun ones to host because there's not a lot of drama. You can prepare, and uh, and you've got an excited fan base, too, because I'm sure you fans were loving what they saw last night in Corvallis. Well, everything Utah tried to do, they did right. And it was nice to see Zach Moss back. And you know, we had gotten word, we talked about it on Thursday, Scotty, that it was going to be a three-week mark and that that would be the minimum, but he would deal with pain. And uh, I had reports that he was that he was participating in practice and that he'd be a game-time decision. And Zach Moss shows up for the first handoff and he ends up with five carries for 121 yards, an average of 24.2 yards per carry, and a long of 91 yards, which was a break off of a linebacker's attempt at a tackle and down the sideline for a touchdown. So he was awesome. And then when he wasn't in, Wilmore was fantastic with 12 carries and 60 yards. And if it wasn't Wilmore carrying, it was Green or Brumfield, and both of them got their yardage and their carries. And they all look spectacular. Uh, Orlando Omana, the center, gets ejected uh, for helmet-to-helmet collision. He was cleaning up a pile. I know it's crazy to think that an offensive lineman would get ejected, but he was ejected, and they made the transition. Paul Tuala moved into the center spot. He played extremely well. The offensive line looked good. Scotty, they came out in a 4-3 defense like we suspected they might. Frank yeah. talked about that on Thursday's preview show, and they came out in a 4-3. They rotated to the 4-2-5, the 4-3, all, all throughout the evening based off of Oregon State's personnel. And really, it just it was a great game plan. Everybody participated well inside of it. Everybody hustled, and that's why you had the 52-7 to dismantling. It's probably why we should. 30. It's probably why yeah, we should. T- probably why we should listen a little bit more to Ron McBride because, you know, on the preview show and throughout the week, you know, I had mentioned that hey, Oregon State's kind of got an offense going here. Defensively, they're still a mess, and and they showed that. But I thought, hey, you know what? They're they're scoring some ports some points on a guy. They've got an elite level wide receiver. Uh, they're running the ball over two hundred yards a game. Their quarterback seems to be finding a bit of a role. And that was my first comment to Ron McBride on Friday was. Hey, look, you know what? They're scoring points. Now, defense, they're not good, but offensively, they looks like they've got something going. He goes, no, no, they're still garbage, and Utah's <laughs> going to win. I'm like, oh, okay, and boy, was he right, too. Yeah. He said the same thing about Washington State. 
Yeah, coach has been coach has been spot on. Like, yeah. I think it's time we we listen to a little bit more about what what he says because the guy has he has a, a feel for 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 these teams. And how how impressive was that first half? Like to see Utah get off to like a thirty five. What was it? Thirty five zero? Is that what it was at yeah. halftime? Yeah, and, and it was yeah, a defensive touchdown. I mean, there was no let up. There was no, you know, we've seen times where Utah, you know, so they'll start off maybe with a touchdown right away with a first drive, or maybe even up go up fourteen, and then all of a sudden it kind of it dies down, and they they get a little complacent, and they just you know, and they they start trying to coast a little bit, but they just put it on and put it on them, and they kept going, and it didn't stop when the when the second half came, it just kept going and going and 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 getting worse, and it was it was. It was fun. We haven't seen a team do something like this with Utah. Uh, it might have been since since like uh, 04. or maybe even that, that against against Wyoming, whatever year that was. What was that? Two thousand five. I can't remember what year it was when they put it on when uh, Witt put it on uh, Wyoming. We haven't seen it. Like I don't even remember the last time they they had a, they put up fifty two points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it was a it was a complete game that we're talking about those those first thirty plus points and. That came off of defensive stops, good field position, uh, solid special teams play, the Devin Lloyd interception. That Again, I think that this is the third interception that Bradley and I has caused. Bradley and I tipped this ball to Devin, and, and Devin was able to go find the end zone with it. And it was based off of pressures. You know, I always, you know, I take the sacks and pass deflections, and I combine them. That means that Utah had nine, basically had nine sacks in this game with their pass deflections and their pressures, and it was just, it was just well executed, Lloyd. And you're right. This is, I, I don't know, Scotty. Can you think of a of a more well rounded dismantling of a Pac-12 team that that Utah's had? Um, Maybe o- that Oregon? Oregon. Oregon's the only one I can really come that comes to mind. But even then, that just felt like. You know, yeah, it'd it have to be Oregon. I don't want to discount that game because Utah just dominated from top to bottom. And that's, I mean, and then, you know, you throw in the rushing attack and then you throw in Huntley, who's nearly perfect on the day, 14 of 17, uh, nearly 250 yards, uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. I mean, you've you got a running back who's got five carries for over 121 yards and two touchdowns. And your quarterback is throws only three incomplete passes and also throws two touchdowns and over nearly 250 yards. I mean, that's it's as clean and as pure and as perfect of a game uh, that you, that yeah. you could that I think Utah maybe outside of Oregon has ever played in this conference. Props to that offensive line, by the way, because uh, you you give Tyler Huntley that much time. I mean, he was ser- seriously. I think he went through his progressions like three times. Uh, sometimes I think he he was going through a couple times. Like, okay, I got plenty of time here. And then he just. He would find, you know, Nakua, or he would find Keithy, or, you know, it was uh, that offensive line and, and losing your center um, that as early as they did. What was that like? Uh, uh, second, know, like second series. I mean, that, I mean, that playing the way they did, uh, you know, props to them. And I get it. Uh, Oregon State's defense isn't great, but, but still, to, to go out and do that. Especially after you lose your your center, um, is huge. Well, and you know, I do the combined sacks and pass deflections. Combined sacks and pass deflections. Oregon State had one. They had one pass deflection the whole game, and no sacks. 
And remember that the one defensive stat that we talked about was their TFLs. And they were able to get the back foot a little bit. They were well under the average. They got back there seven times. But I thought that Utah's offensive line was solid. They were very good. And I do believe that, you know, you take Washington State and Oregon State's defense is the last two Pac-12 teams that Utah's played. And they're probably the two of the weakest defenses in the conference. But with that said, this offense executed at a very efficient, high level. And, Scotty, you know, we talking about Tyler Huntley, we've seen developments and game plans. He only rushed the ball. He only broke the pocket three times. He was only he was only rushed three times. And we talk about systems that fit and keep quarterbacks healthy. I was talking about Tom Brady on the, the opener, whatever it was, Thursday, uh, I guess it had been Friday, and how long Tom Brady stayed healthy. Well, a lot of that has to do with system. Tyler Huntley and the entire Huntley family needs to thank Ludwig because if they can keep him in the pocket, delivering the ball, keep him upright, only rushing three to six times a game, then Huntley's going to extend his career. He'll definitely be around all 12 games, which we're seeing that you need him because of his efficiency. So the, the way I put it with Frank last night in the postgame was, what we're seeing with Utah offensively is extremely sustainable because you're putting the pressures on a very deep running back core. You're taking a lot of the, the, the hits and the pressures off of your quarterback He's playing at a high level and feeling more comfortable uh, allowing his playmakers to make the plays instead of feeling like he's forced to make them with his own legs. And that is a sustainable offense. That's how, that's how our offense was built with the Colts back in the early 2000s. That's how Tom Brady's offense is built. You know, don't, don't put your quarterback in harm's way. And so I feel like this is a sustainable offense that Ludwig has gone right now it's a good point too and i think that throughout all of this and i'm glad you pointed it out last night on twitter you know how much should we be talking about andy ludwig and what he's meant to this team because this offense is performing at a far higher level than we've ever seen it in the pac-12 on a consistent basis and you're keeping your quarterback healthy you've overcome some injuries and this offense is just cruising. And Andy, I know that when he left the first time, I think some Utah fans were ready to uh, move on and see what else this Utah offense could do back in, I think his last year was in 08. But boy, he's come back. And now you finally see what a really, this is, you know, frankly, this is probably why Kyle Whittingham was shuffling through offensive coordinators. He knew how good an offense could be and just couldn't find the right guy to pull the trigger. And now he's got that right guy and he deserves all the credit in the world. Yeah, I love him go under center again too. Um, it's good to see it with you saw it, uh, that one goal line stand. It, it, I right when I see you know Huntley go under center, I'm thinking, oh yes, that's what they need. They need to just go under center more. Uh, well, when you see that, it's like, and, and I'm, it's, it's always I'm always going to think about that USC loss because that USC loss has me thinking what could have been for this Utah team. And and I know I I brought it up before. I mean, gosh, had, had they gone under center just one time, just one time. They that probably they probably probably still undefeated. Yeah, that USC loss is becoming more and more bewildering. But we, we talked about that too last night, where you come off the two confidence building wins in Northern Illinois and Idaho State, and lay this gigantic egg against USC. 
And Frank and I were talking about how you've got to reinforce the, this Utah team. You've played two of the lesser defenses in the conference. You know, these are not the big boys. Washington State lost again to Arizona State. And really explain to these guys, we, we can't take a 52-7 to win and go sit back in our lounge chairs and feel like we've won the season. You've got to stay leaning forward, progressing, interested, engaged, because look at this big old ugly USC letdown. And it really does have to be a teaching tool and a beacon to these kids of, of remembering what overconfidence and kind of slouching back into a chair can do to you. So uh, we ready to make the transition? Let's do it. BYU and so I want to just let people behind the scenes you know I've I you know with the Utah State stuff I don't have a lot of Saturdays so I'm trying to get the yard ready I'm trying to get everything uh, fixed because I know that frankly I don't have another free Saturday for until maybe March um and so so I uh, I'm watching the BYU game I'm, I'm recording it and it gets to the point where BYU goes up it's 23 14 feel like BYU's got a pretty good handle on it. I'm like, okay, I'll watch the rest of it later on tonight. I need to go out and uh, get a few things done. And uh, you, Hans, give me a call about an hour later and say, I can't believe BYU lost that game. In no way, shape, I never in a million years, if you would have given me a million dollars and said, bet on this game, I would have bet it all on BYU winning that game and frankly winning it comfortably. I wasn't really impressed with South Florida, their offense, their quarterback could look like he couldn't throw the ball to save his life. A lot of just bad plays. I'm thinking BYU's got complete control of this thing. And uh, and so I had to go back and watch it and then rewatch it again to figure out how the heck BYU lost this game. Hands, that was this this is this is a bad one. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That that's a really bad, horrific loss, not just for the team, but for the coaches. This this one this one could do some damage here. Yeah, so I think what I'd like to do is kind of kind of set this up and then hand it over to you and Lloyd and, and get your thoughts on this because I I just don't know what type of weight to put into it where you lose Zach Wilson, you go to Jaron Hall, and then you lose Jaron Hall to injury, and Beta Romney has to come in and finish. What was it, the final quarter and a half or? I can't remember exactly what point Beta Romney came in and took over, but you're down to your third string quarterback. Um, you, you've lost your starting running back in Tyson, and this offense that put up 439 yards of total offense, 218 on the ground and 221 through the air. They dominated time of possession, 37 30 to 22 30. That's 37 minutes and 30 seconds of offensive possession time for BYU and 22 minutes and 30 seconds for South Florida. And, you know, South Florida, they passed for 72 yards. And you just look at the stats and you're like, well, BYU did this well. Well, you end up with your backup quarterback and then your third-string quarterback and you're, you're low on depth and you and then – they lost two offensive linemen in that game. They already didn't travel Tristan Hodge. They had made two other offensive line adjustments. And so I'm looking at a team that's depleted and a team that has no depth. 
and a team that ends up getting beat by South Florida. So the question I would throw, Lloyd, I'll, I'll throw it at you and then Scotty, I'd like to hear it from you. How much do, does anybody want to hear about injuries or any excuses when it comes to a loss to South Florida? Uh, I'm going to say... I'm going to say not a lot. I don't like, I think where they kind of lost this game was where it's kind of like that for them to run. I mean, South Florida rushed for 243 yards. Yeah. I mean, Jordan Cronkite, Walter Cronkite, great grandson, I think. <laughs> Stop. Um, I, I can't confirm that. Yeah. But he went for 158 and two touchdowns. Like I, where 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 BYU typically doesn't get beat is down on the def- defensive front and the linebackers. Used to be like usually definitely, you, definitely you, not you, this year. No, not this yeah. year. And and the fact that they, I mean, they, I mean, they had this game and that they and they gave up thirteen points in the fourth quarter. I think that's what it was, yeah. wasn't that? Yeah. Well, I was in the fourth I, quarter. That's where. I, go ahead. I would say the majority of the the rushing yards probably came in that second half, really engaging in the back part of the third quarter. It was uh, South Florida actually found a formula, I think, just before the half with a a couple of really big rushing drives and then came out in the third and applied those rushing drives and then in the fourth just crushed BYU with them. Is that that, injuries? Uh, When I see a team that that gives that, that, that... that falls like that in the fourth quarter, I think, conditioning. Um, I think about how hot – I think about when Scotty was just at LSU and how hot it was there and how miserable it probably was in Florida. I mean, yeah. how much how much does all that play, you know, play into it? Well, I think a lot of it's scheme. I thought, I, I thought you know, BYU had come out and they started with four downs and then there was a really, really nice defensive stop. I think it was back into the second quarter where they went four downs and they brought Wilgar up off the edge and, and they jammed everything down. And if it wasn't a three and out, then it was maybe uh, a first down off of a, off of a first and 10 and then a three and out after that. And defense just stopped them up. And then BYU goes back to the three downs. And I don't know if you guys were watching some of my tweets, but I tweeted out two or three clips of the BYU defensive edge getting, not only did they get hooked, but you got to go watch how they get hooked and collapsed down into the middle of the pile. And it was like, it's like swinging a door open and having everything behind the door blocked. And that running back was just running right through the door. And, uh, you know, you got to go back and look at personnel and say, Hey, why can you not jam the edge and not get reached? But you also go go back to the coaches and say, when the guys are getting jammed and locked, why are you not running four downs and, and just saying, okay, screw everything else. We are not going to let this run off the edge get us anymore. And so I would put it 70% on scheme defensively, mm-hmm. what, what South Florida did. Because it felt like when they had the proper lineups out there and, and the proper scheme, it felt like South Florida had a hard time running against it. Let me just give you a, a um, the overall timing of what happened here, and this is why this is why I don't think BYU fans want to hear about injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Because when Jaron Hall leaves the game uh, on that final, on that on his last drive, he gets them down into field goal range. 
There's 11.20 left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, he takes uh, BYU on a drive that was uh, 10, play 53, 10 plays, 53 yards, three and a half minutes, gets him into field goal range, and Oldroyd missed the 39-yard uh, field goal. At that point, BYU still leading the game. So when he leaves, BYU's up 23-21. Uh, then it should have been up 26, exactly. So he put him in a position where it's 26, 21. Now, granted, you know, South Florida on their next drive goes on a nine play 78 yard drive. They score the touchdown at that point. They're up 27, 23. But then, you know, if you look and I'm not blaming, look, I'm not blaming old right. I'm just blaming multiple people in this game, uh, that, uh, so then Romney then takes BYU down, on a long play drive, gets them in, uh, certainly would have been field goal range had it been 27-26. BYU needs to go for it at that point, and uh, they come up a yard shy of getting the first down. Uh, the defense then holds. BYU then gets down once again, but just essentially runs out of time uh, before they can uh, try to punch it in and try to win the game. But, you know, you look at it from top to bottom, and there were multiple opportunities, even with the injuries, for BYU to yeah. first off extend the lead and second of all even win the game down the stretch and yeah. there's just not the ability to get it done and and you know Romney was thrown in a bad situation but got BYU up and down the field a little bit they just couldn't punch it in and so I I don't think there's a lot of BYU fans that want to hear about injuries I think they want to hear about scheme like you talked about on the defensive side they want to talk about uh, short yardage situations they want to talk about um, inability to uh, convert inside the red zone. Uh, touchdowns that is um, they want to talk about special teams there's just a lot of things like you know the botched uh, uh, the botched pump snap I mean there's there's so many different little unforced errors that BYU yeah. had yesterday sure. that I think uh, have people a little cranky and salty this morning totally understandable yeah you, you look at South Florida like that's what's kind of that's what's kind of maddening is I mean they weren't even attempting to really throw they threw 14 times yeah. the guy threw for 72 yards like I mean that I mean, that's I feel like that's playing right into what 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 BYU should be able to should be able to stop. And, I mean, there was not even a threat to pass. So that's 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 a little bit that's that's a little bit um, concerning. A little bit, you know, if I'm a BYU fan, a little bit, little little frustrating. Yeah, the scary thing is there was threat to pass, and there were three or four broken deep that would have been touchdowns, but the quarterback. They had no accuracy. Right. That, that, right. that is not a good South Florida no, quarterback. No. And, right. And that South Florida offense would have been dead in the water if BYU would have just stopped the run. It just, it, right. it, it could have happened. And they did have the one touchdown pass. <clears throat> I can't remember if it was to the tight end. I know that uh, people were after Bo Tanner because he was jogging. But from what I understand, he tweaked his hamstring and, and couldn't move. Uh, and I, I know that uh, Tristan Hodge, that's why he didn't travel, was a hamstring issue. But <clears throat> but if you just take that runway and force South Florida to throw, you're going to end up with interceptions or batter balls or pressure or, or something. But you just couldn't stop the run. And when they opened up the floodgates, they were – it was crazy just watching South Florida. Every one of the five offensive linemen – pulled multiple times in different drives and they're pulling all over the field and, the, and the, it, the tackles were just reaching and and jamming the defensive ends the pullers were blowing out 
the outside linebackers that were about a four-yard depth, and the running backs were having multiple looks up A-gap, B-gap, and it was it was just like the floodgates were open, and, and BYU just didn't, they didn't, they, they didn't make adjustments. Well, they, they did make some adjustments, but then they got away from the adjustments, but I don't know why. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know why they went back to a three-man front. If they felt like that was going to be stopping, or if they were so worried about the three times that they were beat over the top that should have been touchdowns that were overthrown, like if they're thinking, oh man, there's going to be some quick strikes and we've got to stay deep. But I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to pretend that I know more than these defensive coordinators or these coordinators because I, I don't. I don't, they don't, they watch 10 times the film I do and 10 times the game planning. And we watch it from this, you know, away from the earth point of view and try to make our judgments based off that. But it sure felt strange watching three downs, the four backs deep, and South, South Florida just time and time again, just run, jam, run, and jam, and get first down after first down on long drives. It was bizarre. Well, you know, you mentioned, you know, you go back to the uh, Utah, Oregon State, and they talked about, look, this is what Oregon State does well. They're running for over 200 yards. You might see the old 4-3 back or the four-down lineman, and Utah made that adjustment and took Oregon State completely out of the game. And BYU at times looked like they were ready to do that and then did not. You know, it's it's that ability to make adjustments. It's ability to, you know, stretch out a little bit from who you are into fitting up against the strength of an offense, and BYU just didn't do that on a continual basis in that game. Yep, and uh, and then offensively, I put one or two clips out there, and I know that there were some offensive line injuries, and I know you had some new and experienced guys yeah. in there, but uh, I, I put a clip of a, of a guard completely whiffing, and, and I don't understand why the center stepped backside on, on this play side, but instead of stepping into a double team, it looked like the guard was thinking that there was going to be center help, but defensive tackle just comes in the backfield with a simple tackle for a three-yard loss, and this happened a couple times. Yeah. And I I just don't have an answer for it. I, You know, I try to understand exactly how it all fell apart, but Scotty, this is a South Florida team that ended up with six sacks against BYU and 13 TFLs. Um, I'm just going to give you both heads up. But that's not good. <laughs> My expert opinion, like, that's not good. <laughs> not good at all, Bob. That's like a dentist, that's like a dentist looking at a, a 24-year-old Hansel's and teeth and being like, Tom, did you sleep with caramel in your mouth? Because you've got eight teeth that need, need root canal. This is, this is bad. <laughs> I, dude, I'm just, I'm a little bit perplexed by, and, and I'm with you. Like, I know you've got to talk about the injuries, but, but I'm with you. This is South Florida. And I know that Will Snowden did a great job talking about the speed and the potential dangers of South Florida. 
and we did talk about their CFLs. You know, yeah, we did. Will, Will, yep. Will is spot on, by the way. Will is spot on, dude. That guy, if you're not listening, if you're not listening to the, the the Cougar Preview Show. I mean, you you, you better to, tune in because Will was everything he said. Kind of came. I mean, yeah, they do have athletes, and um, I mean, Will Will was. I would just will say, I mean, he was spot on with his breakdown of, of how this thing could go wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they do, they've got those athletes, but even with all that said, this is still a huge letdown loss. You know, now we watched, in fact, the game that started and played just before BYU South Florida was Toledo versus Bowling Green. And Toledo had beat Bowling Green for the last nine years, and that is a, a rivalry. And they had beat them for the last nine years. So basically a BYU-Utah situation yesterday. And Bowling Green gets their first win over Toledo in nine years. And Toledo looked inept. They just looked horrible. And I'm watching that game and I'm like, this is the Toledo team that beat BYU? And I I even sent out a tweet before the BYU game started that said, watching Toledo lose to Bowling Green is disconcerting. And that gave me cause for concern because Bowling Green is terrible. Yeah. And South Florida is not good. I mean, they're ranked a hundred below a hundred. And I think five different defensive categories. And so it's inexplicable, um, and I don't even know how much Kalani and his staff want to hear the excuses of injury. You know, they may use it because you need to talk about it, but at the same time, they're going to own this. They have to own it. It was a bad loss. Yeah. Well, uh, well, don't look now, but we got a real we got a real hootenanny again with Utah and Arizona State coming up. <laughs> <laughs> It's PK week on the station. Gosh, I'm telling you, <laughs> Utah fans, if Utah fans, if, if they fall to Arizona State, they're going to lose their mind on PK. <laughs> they might just have, they might, they might absolutely lose their mind. Well, and then and he's going to get in the craw of all of them. And then you got BYU taking on Boise State and, uh, and they lost their starting quarterback. And then they, the backup came in and threw for a ton of yards. And I thought, I thought Hawaii might give them a little bit of uh, trouble because Hawaii's been playing pretty well, but they end up winning that game. I think it was like fifty-two thirty-seven or something like that. So, um, so so Boise's cruising and uh, they're heading into Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and certainly that's going to be a massive challenge because Boise has not been ranked this high since I believe two thousand sixteen. They'll be a top thirteen, top fourteen team in the country you, when you, the polls get released. Utah jumped them. You think Utah jumped them? Uh, they might. They're sitting, Utah's sitting right behind them. They might. Um, you know, if there's uh, somebody out there might look at the points Hawaii scored and said, oh, they gave up some points in that game. Um, I don't think yeah. they will, but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. Utah would have, Utah would have got a nice bump. USC would have beat Notre Dame. That yeah. been, oh, oh, that would have, that would have been nice. Win. But even, you know. Two top ten wins for them. Yeah. But even, uh, even considering the fact that uh, USC kept it as close as they did, I mean, that's a, that's a three-point game. That's 30-27. Yeah. That might give USC, you know, that might help out the Pac-12 a little bit. So, all right, a lot to break down this week. And, of course, we'll have all the coverage for you. You'll hear from uh, 
Kalani Sataki and uh, Kyle Whittingham coming up tomorrow on the show. Show kicks off at noon. That's your morning after podcast. Scott Gerard Hansolson and Lloyd Cole right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.